It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 94 of a Trey and BK Monday on the Night Talker. At 1045, where are we at in society? I got into a fight with a driverless vehicle over the weekend. Yeah, you heard that right. At 10.30, we're discussing standouts from the Longhorns defense based on Saturday's scrimmage at DKR. At 10.15, we may have a video of the craziest fan among a sea of crazies from Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. And coming up in seconds, we are discussing standouts on the offensive side of the ball from that UT scrimmage on Saturday. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can follow me on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And at Brad Kellner is where you can find my broadcasting partner in crime. He does join me on this show occasionally, about to happen a whole lot more. That is because we are firing back up the weekday program via the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. You can get a number of different live shows there during the week, Monday through Friday. That includes BK and Bucky from 8 to 10 in the morning. And then BK and me are live right now from 12 to 1. We'll be expanding those hours before too long. But here is an hour-long taste of what we did earlier today on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Let's get into some Longhorn football. They had their first scrimmage of the fall on Saturday. Wasn't open to the public, wasn't even open to the media, but, you know, everybody's got sources. Players' families were in attendance at the game on Saturday, and a ton of reports stemming from that first fall scrimmage we've had this season. I guess, look, I don't want to talk too much about Arch Manning this year because the hope is that he doesn't play that much this year. Honestly, the only time we want to see Arch Manning on the field is in mop-up duty hopefully at the end of the Rice game in a couple of weeks and uh, just maybe another blowout win or two at some point in the season for this Texas team. But we know Arch Manning is the future of Texas football. We know this is Quinn Ewer's team right now, but it feels like, Trey, Arch Manning was the biggest headline grabber from what took place on Saturday. Apparently he had a 50-plus yard touchdown run in addition to some really, really good throws. He looked like he was in command of the offense. I know we're all excited about 2023, but – feels like you've got plenty of reasons to be excited about 2024 and beyond as well. And people have talked about Arch and being a little bit underrated athletically in terms of that straight line speed. And that was clearly on display on Saturday, BK. And yeah, it's just one moment in time. But if Malik Murphy continues to struggle with pressure uh, throughout the rest of fall practice, uh, the pressure being applied by that Texas defense, that is concerning if you are the Longhorn coaching staff, because you know that opposing teams are also reading these insider reports, and if they end up facing Malik Murphy in games where it actually matters him being in the game, if Quinn goes down with an injury or something else, then uh, yeah, they are going to make sure to apply as much pressure on possible to force him into a mistake. So for Arch Manning to uh, look as good as he did, and for Malik Murphy to struggle mightily uh, when there were a little bit more in the way of bullets flying than, say, uh, during that spring scrimmage, uh, that's something to keep an eye on going forward. It doesn't mean that we are seeing a change on the depth chart yet just necessarily, but it does show uh, why Arch Manning was a uh, five-star prospect, one of the most heralded recruits in last year's recruiting class, and why Texas fans are uh, are enthusiastic to see what he will ultimately be able to do when he gets on the field, but like you said, hopefully not this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Malik Murphy is still QB2 on the depth chart, but it sounds like maybe that race for the backup quarterback job is tightening a little bit because in the spring, you said it, Malik Murphy looked a hell of a lot better than Arch Manning did. 
And understandable why Arch maybe didn't look completely polished, right? It was his first semester on campus. And obviously that's a huge transition going from high school to college. It's an even bigger transition when you're playing small private high school in Louisiana, coming to a place like the University of Texas. So you figured maybe it would take some time for Arch to get his sea legs under him. But yeah, it sounds like uh, he has been a hell of a lot better during fall camp, which is great news for everybody. Yeah, this quarterback room, it feels pretty damn deep, doesn't it, Trev? It sure does. And let's remember, Arch Manning was losing his student ID last spring. So uh, (laughs) he had a lot on his plate, and that included uh, going through the motions of the offseason program and then spring practices too. But it's good to see him settle in enough that he's able to have a uh, really good day at the office like he did a couple days ago. And Quinn Ewers, by all accounts, looked really good, played well, was in command. He threw one interception on Saturday, but apparently the receiver slipped on that play, uh, threw a couple of touchdowns, ran one in two. Uh, He's the guy that we're focused on, right? Everyone's excited about Arch Manning for all of the reasons that you talked about, but hearing more about the progression of Quinn Ewers, I think, is music to every Longhorns fan's ears. Hopefully uh, we continue to hear stuff like that throughout fall camp and through the rest of these scrimmages as well. Boy, the more we talk about these wide receivers and the more we receive reports from what is happening at fall practice or these scrimmages over the weekend, the more I'm convinced that, assuming he can stay healthy, BK, that A.D. Mitchell is going to be the no-doubt number one wide receiver on this team when the season is all said and done. Had a couple more spectacular plays on Saturday. That included a uh, really nice catch from a uh, Quinn Ewers thrown ball uh, in the back corner of an end zone. And uh, I cannot wait to see what, one, what he looks like in a Longhorns uniform starting on September 2nd, but two, just the immense potential that exists there as well. Yeah, and he's got that championship pedigree too. Yep. I mean, the biggest issue for him during his time at Georgia was just staying on the field. So hopefully A.D. Mitchell can stay healthy throughout the course of this season. But yeah, I mean, I had high hopes for him as soon as the transfer was announced, just based on what we've heard about this guy. Mm-hmm. You're right. It does kind of feel like he's elevated himself to the top of the depth chart and just thinking about all of the talent this wide receiver room has. You know, Buck and I were talking about this this morning. I mean, the fact that Hey, Xavier Worthy is wearing a non-contact jersey and isn't a full participant. Jordan Winnington left with an injury. Doesn't sound serious at all, which is good. Sounds like uh, if there was an actual game coming up, Jay Witt would be good to go. But the fact that, you know, you can not have those guys at 100% and still feel really good about your wide receiver room, obviously you want everyone to stay healthy over the course of the year, but we know that's not realistic. You think about Jordan Whittington, too, and his Texas career, unfortunately. Like, it's just one of those guys, something's bound to happen to one of those guys at some point this year. The fact that you feel good enough about the depth that you have in that wide receiver room to where you feel like there won't be a huge drop-off in your passing game if somebody goes down with an injury, that's huge. And I I don't really know the last time we've been able to say that about this Texas wide receiver group. Yeah, that's a great great point there. As far as Worthy and being in the uh, the non-contact jersey, it sounds like it was more of an illness thing than an injury thing, which is good. And uh, how about this for Jordan Whittington? I mean, we know the first few years of his career, he was a guy that would flash potential. We all know what he was capable of uh, based on that championship game, his final game in high school. But he's had a hard time staying healthy here in Austin until last season. And so it was almost an afterthought that Jordan Whittington is uh, this injury-prone dude. But Saturday, unfortunately, serves as maybe a small reminder of uh, what still might exist there. But to your point... Uh, The fact that that room is so loaded with talent now, it's not nearly as detrimental if he does go down and have to miss from a couple of series to maybe even a couple of games. Now, we all hope that doesn't happen, obviously, but if he does, you have more of an insurance policy in place for sure. 
the offensive line, Trey. DJ Campbell getting more and more reps with the ones. I know that's what Longhorn fans kind of want to see. Still a little bit surprising anytime you see a starter from a year ago come back and maybe lose his starting job. That might be what's going on at that right guard position. Yeah, that look, competition, we're talking about it with the wide receivers, but competition does breed greatness. So the fact that you have dudes vying for these reps here, and it's guys who are four- and five-star recruits, mind you, including DJ Campbell, who was a former five-star, of course, uh, that is great for the overall health of that individual position and the offensive line on the whole. Kelvin Banks still getting rave reviews. No surprises there. But if uh, one of DJ Campbell or Cam Williams can really step up and uh, prove himself enough to where they are maybe not earning starters minutes, especially in Cam Williams' case since he is likely at tackle right now. But DJ Campbell, if he can uh, rise up and grab that other sp- starting spot, that's going to be great for this season and obviously next year too because he has at least two more seasons on campus and if he plays well enough over those two seasons and has the opportunity to uh to maybe go pro along with kelvin banks at the end of the 24 season uh that would be a great thing for this texas offensive line yeah this is the best i've felt about a texas offensive line in a long long time yeah he is brad kellner and this is a trey and bk monday on the night talker giving you a taste of what bk and i are doing every weekday from 12 to 1 on the texas sports unfiltered youtube channel coming up more with bk on the other side including the most insane of a sea of crazy fans at taylor swift's eras tour proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m it's the night talker with trey elling on 1027 espn It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Monday on the Night Talker, where I am joined by Brad Kellner, somebody who I used to do a radio show with. He joins this show from time to time now, and he and I are doing something daily on YouTube through the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered, and you have live programming Monday through Friday. That includes Bucky Godbolt and BK on from 8 to 10 in the morning, and then BK and I bringing back the midday show from 12 to 1. Here's another taste of that having to do with maybe the craziest person who has attended a Taylor Swift concert in the last year. Let's do this video first, then we'll get into the Wander Franco situation because it's not a great one for him and the Tampa Bay Rays right now, and uh, it could be getting worse for one of the best young players in all of Major League Baseball. But this video I saw on my X timeline still xo twitter timeline i got you let you know let's not ladybird lake this thing can we just go ahead and continue <laughs> calling twitter twitter and like we called uh ladybird lake town lake yeah you're right all right twitter sorry about that elon we're calling it twitter i saw this earlier today on twitter it's a video of a rabid taylor swift fan at one of her recent concerts you know this tour it's felt like it's been going on for years. It's been like the highest grossing concert tour in the history of concert tours. She is selling out every arena across the world. And she has one of the most passionate fan bases in all of music, maybe all of music history. So here's a video. It, it looks like the woman singing is actually recording this herself. So I, I can't feel too bad that this has gone as viral as it's gone. Cause it's not just some person not letting her enjoy the moment. This is her Really enjoying the moment. Uh, check out the craziness of this one T Swift fan here. Oh, 
<laughs> so a couple of things here. One, one of the big things with concerts right now is dressing up in some thematic way that represents the musician. Like I know it's a big deal with Harry Styles, uh, a guy that we used to work with <laughs> took his daughter to a Harry Styles show and he and I were doing, uh, he and I were doing our radio show at the time. And I was like, dude, it looks like you're dressed up for a gay pride parade. You're going to a Harry Styles show. I know you're trying to play along with your daughter. Good for you for that one. But uh, it's just a, a funny, funny side bit, I guess, on the whole concert going experience. And she has what fake, uh, fake foliage wrapped around her right now for some reason. I don't know if Taylor Swift is dressed up like that for a previous album cover or a video or something like that. So that already is one slight red flag, let's say. But a lot of people are going to these Taylor Swift shows dressing up like complete psychopaths. So I guess she gets a pass on that one. The other thing is, is I don't know if the dude next to her is a friend or a boyfriend. I hope for his own safety and sanity that it is just a friend because otherwise that girl is a, an absolute handful and uh, I'm imagining is a major, major problem in regular life. Yeah, I don't want any part of that as a friend, as a lover, as an acquaintance, as anything. And that, that was absolutely nuts. And to go back to your first point, here's a generalization here. Women love dressing up. Not all women, of course, but a lot of women love dressing up and you've seen that a lot. You talked about Harry Styles. You're seeing it with Taylor Swift. You're seeing it with the Barbie movie, right? Like women are dressing up to go to a movie theater to watch a movie where nobody can see you. Cause it's dark in there. It makes no sense to me, but like any excuse that women can find to dress up, they love those themed parties. It feels like they're going to take. So yeah, I mean, this is called the eras tour. And yeah. I guess like uh, people who go to these concerts are dressing up as some version of Taylor Swift throughout the course of her career. So I guess that's the bit. Yeah, it was a weird costume that she was wearing, but like everyone attending these things is dressed up like that. That part I can get down with. That's fine. You you wear whatever you want to a concert, whatever. Show your support, show your love, have a good time, take pictures, post it on social media. Because if you don't post it, you never even went. We know how that's uh, how it works here in 2023. But that's, dude, that was insane, man. Just the look in her eyes too. Like there's crazy eyes going on there. Not just the singing and the dancing, just like the ridiculous. I mean, I get it. Sports fans are crazy. And there are some sports fans who are like that. But my God, if you see one of those, you turn and run the other way. Well, even if she's singing loud, at least she's trying to uh, sing. She's screeching like she's at a heavy metal show. So you're not even doing justice to the song that's being performed on stage. All you're doing. And by the way, this is a problem regardless of the uh, the type of performance right now people have become completely oblivious to to those around them and their attempts to maximize their own enjoyability at a music concert at a comedy show uh, i'm s- assuming it's happening in the world of theater too i don't go to a ton of plays i know everybody is shocked by that one but people are just becoming belligerent with how they conduct themselves at live performances and they feel like the fact that they paid the price for a ticket entitles them to do so. No, you still need to be respectful enough to recognize what the scene around you is like and not basically scream at the back of somebody's head, by the way, because there was somebody in front of that girl, I'm guessing, yeah. who was annoyed to no end that he or she was having to listen to that bull. Yeah, someone uh, commented, imagine 
paying hundreds of dollars for a ticket and then having to sit next to that, either Oof. in front, next to, behind, whatever. Hell, in the same section. Not good. Hell, on the same level of the arena. I mean, everyone had to be hearing that. Yeah, that's insane. And the scary part is there's probably hundreds that were screaming just like her during that concert. Hundreds? Maybe tens? Hopefully tens for the for the sake of everybody else in that arena. <laughs> God bless all the dads who are being forced to uh, to go to those concerts and, and put up with that. That that can't be easy. Well, I think that yeah. I mean, that part of it is uh, is brutal. I mean, the fact that you're having to pay as much as you are to go see that show live, even the nosebleed seats are ridiculously expensive. Vivi, my eight year old, almost nine year old, is into Taylor Swift right now, and there are worse things that she could be into. Trust me. I have to listen to my wife's music on a regular basis. Uh, Justine is on blast right now for the <laughs> pop music that she loves to listen to. So it gets a lot worse than Taylor Swift. So I don't mind the music itself, but the overall scene, yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. It would be super obnoxious, uh, obnoxious to have to sit through over two hours or however long these shows are going. All right. So, yeah, we'll take your comments on that. Uh, Trey, while I'm reading the uh, Wander Franco story, uh, yes, I was going to ask you to check your phone doing all off-air business on air. I sent you a text. You don't have to read it, but... I did not start the app, no. no. There you go. Okay. Good to know. All right. The uh, other non-UT story we have today... Involves, it's on now, though. There we go. Involves uh, Tampa Bay Rays young superstar Wander Franco, who might be in some hot water right now. He uh, missed the Rays game yesterday against the Guardians, and the Rays just traveled for a road trip that starts tonight. And Wander Franco, who is 22, was not with his teammates on the team plane as they headed to San Francisco for their upcoming series against the Giants. That starts tonight. Uh, MLB is doing some investigating into some social media posts involving Wander Franco, and there is a belief that Wander Franco may have been involved in an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Uh, The Tampa Bay Times had this story first, they don't, you know, there's not a ton of details about what was going on or what's alleged of going on, but the Rays and MLB are looking into the post and allegations. And this could be a really, really scary situation. So, some of the details that I've been able to uh, scavenge over the last couple of hours apparently, Wander Franco is accused of having some sort of relationship with a 14 year old. A reminder, he's 22. Uh, the alleged relationship involves a 14 year old which is obviously a minor Uh, there are reports of her asking him for hush money and him not delivering said hush money and that is why this girl is taking her or making her way to social media to kind of expose Wander Franco so man this is not good Trey we're talking about one of the best young stars in all of baseball a guy who signed a massive contract the biggest contract in race history right like this tells you how much the Rays think of this kid. They're the cheapest franchise maybe in all of sports. They gave this dude a massive deal to keep him around forever. They're clearly believers in his talent, and clearly they didn't think something like this off the field would ever pop up. But here we are, once again, a bright young star in sports in uh, a little bit of trouble, potentially a lot of trouble. This could be really, really ugly if uh, they find out this thing is true. Yeah, I saw accusations that he is grooming her. And grooming does have to do with uh, some form of sex, too. Is that correct? I'm not totally familiar with what grooming is. Uh, I'm not either, but that's a disgusting thought, and I hope it's not true. hope none of this is true. All right, prepare. 
Uh, preparing a uh, a person to be something along those lines is what uh what I'm seeing on the interwebs right now. Yeah, this is this is an ugly story, and I don't uh, I certainly don't want to uh, to convict him before uh, all the details are, na- are are out and an investigation uh, has been followed through on. But if he uh, if he is guilty of some version of this, like not only is his baseball career probably over, but his uh, his freedom as a human being. Is probably over too, and it should be because yeah. you are a pedo, dude. Yep. Yeah, it's disgusting. And within the last 30 minutes, uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN has said that the Rays have placed Wander Franco on the restricted list, wow. which takes him off the roster and usually means he's not going to get paid. So, uh, yeah, like you said, you don't want to uh, convict somebody before he's actually convicted, but this might be the start of a very long process for Wander Franco. And like you said, if, if this is found to be true, Forget baseball. This dude shouldn't see the light of day for a long, long time. Uh, that is uh, that is disgusting. He is Brad Kellner, and this is a Trey and BK Monday on the Night Talker. I am giving you a preview of what you can hear live every weekday from 12 to 1 p.m. as Trey and BK have brought back the Midday Show, a show so cool that I've just referred to myself in the third person. Coming up, more of a taste on the other side. We get back to that Longhorn scrimmage from Saturday, focusing on standouts from the defensive side of the ball. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Monday on the Night Talker. I am joined by Brad Kellner, my former co-host on the radio that you hear on this show from time to time. And he and I have actually revived Midday with Trey and BK on YouTube. That's right. You can go to YouTube and search for Texas Sports Unfiltered. You can not only hear the Midday with Trey and BK show from 12 to 1, but also Bucky Godbolt and BK on from 8 to 10 in the morning. Again, that's live Monday through Friday. And of course, you can watch the videos after the live show is over with. Here's another taste of Midday with Trey and BK talking about defensive standouts from the Texas Longhorn scrimmage this last weekend. All right, Trey, we talked a lot about the offense and some of our biggest takeaways from the Longhorns fall scrimmage on Saturday. Now let's uh, shift sides and go to the defense. What stood out to you from who you've talked to, from what you've read since that scrimmage on Saturday? Yeah, as far as defense goes, uh, how about a couple of true freshmen standing out? Anthony Hill, which is expected at this point to make at least uh, some plays here and there. But Malik Muhammad, the uh, talented cornerback out of the DFW area, true freshman, had an interception, was also in on another turnover, a forced fumble, I believe. And uh, this is a secondary that has pretty good depth at the cornerback position. If they can get good reps out of Malik Muhammad, too, to add to the overall competition, uh, that is a great thing to hear. So for Malik Muhammad to be mentioned by so many insiders based on the sources that they were talking to, uh, I love to hear that because you don't want too many true freshmen playing, but if a guy is capable to come in and earn some reps, either backup reps or maybe even third string reps to where at some point in the year he is considered a backup depending on injuries or how a guy in front of him is playing. Uh, That is a great thing for the health of that position group. And uh, 
haven't heard more about Derek Williams just yet. I know Steve Sarkeesian has talked about him. Uh, didn't didn't see a whole lot in, in the way of him doing much at that safety position. But if guys like Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams can step up, it's uh, it's really going to help uh, the overall rooms that they're a part of, either cornerback or safety, depending on if you're talking about Muhammad or Williams. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this cornerback room, man. I mean, we know what Ryan Watts is capable of. Terrence Brooks showed some things in the bowl game, and he came on a little bit stronger towards the end of the year. Now you're talking about Malik Muhammad being an impact player already, a guy that the Texas coaching staff just can't leave on the sideline because he's playing so well. You hear that he's got a pick six in addition to a couple of other PBUs and also a big hit on somebody. Like, that's that's awesome, man. Like, that is what you're looking for from your secondary. And then, oh, Gavin Holmes coming in too a two-year starter at Wake Forest coming in as a transfer. Like, that's four really, really solid cornerbacks right there. Maybe a little too early thinking Malik Muhammad is that, right? Might be uh, premature to call him that, but uh, he's clearly making an impact right now, and it sounds like this dude's going to force his way onto the field at times. So, yeah, today's college football, it used to be like, oh, in the Big 12, you can never have too many corners. No, in today's college football, you can never have too many corners with just how much teams are throwing the ball around. Uh, The fact that Texas – might have some talent and some depth there. It's a really, really good sign. Yeah, and the fact that we're talking about true freshmen doesn't mean that we're calling for them to start necessarily, but these guys have to start making plays somewhere. And if you're doing so in a scrimmage setting in fall practice and uh, showing that you are, are at least capable of making positive plays on the field, that's a great starting point for you. It's like Jonathan Brooks at the running back position last year. Obviously, he wasn't going to receive significant carries playing behind Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but when you saw him in in mop-up duty, you know, he was ripping off big, uh, long runs and sometimes long touchdown runs, that's a starting point for him. And so to see him do that in the bowl game against Washington last year was another step forward that has us all feeling much more confident about that running back position, despite the fact that we lost uh, one who was the best to ever do it at this school. And then Roshan Johnson, who was also a guy who could have started at most schools, not named Texas last year, but also a big-time team leader. Same thing applies for the Mahamas, the Anthony Hills, and anybody else right now. Even if they're not out there for play one uh, of the 2023 season against Rice, the fact that you know that they are waiting in the wings and they have the physical potential to make those plays put you at ease a little bit when you do actually see them on the field. Yep, Jade Barron too, more of that star yeah. role, but still another guy who has uh, developed into a solid player who gives you some depth in that cornerback room. So, yeah, you're right. There's opportunities for uh, for some of these guys to get some playing time, and you want to have a good rotation of players in your defensive backfield just like you do in that wide receiver room. So excited to hear that with Malik Muhammad. You brought up Anthony Hill I mean, speaking of guys who are going to make it tough to keep on the sideline, uh, that guy's got an opportunity with the question mark at that linebacker spot outside of Jalen Ford, a chance for Anthony Hill. I know David Bend has been getting most of the reps with the ones. Uh, Hopefully things click for him. He's shown us some things during the course of his Texas career, obviously pretty experienced in that PK defense, but it, it feels pretty safe to say that the ceiling is higher for Anthony Hill. I don't know if it's week one, where we see that, but I think over the course of the season, Trey, probably safe to expect Anthony Hill to take over as that second starting linebacker on this defense. Possibly, but obviously those first and second downs are the uh, more difficult downs to understand what your responsibilities are and execute as well, uh, as well in that linebacker spot. But the great thing about Anthony Hill right now for Pete Kwiatkowski 
and the defensive coaches, you can put him in very situationally right now, understanding that you are playing to his biggest strengths. And of course, I'm talking about those third and obvious passing down situations where you do allow him, maybe it's from the inside occasionally, maybe it's from the outside, move him around a little bit to uh, to keep the offense guessing or having to account for where he is on the field, but let him pin his ears back and get pressure on that quarterback. And uh, I imagine he has a very DeMarvion Overshown type impact on uh, putting said pressure on quarterback when he's allowed to do so uh, once the season gets going here in a couple weeks. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And the uh, I don't know how many Micah Parsons comparisons there have been out there, but C.J. Vogel of the Football Brainiacs provided one. Like that, uh, that could be big time, man. That could be big time. Just if you have a guy who's that versatile who can impact the game in a number of different ways, that'd be huge. I don't want to. I don't want. Uh, I don't want getting. I don't want us getting too far ahead of ourselves. BK. No. I had to listen to way too many people call Tom Herman the next Nick Saban, and I was like, eh, you know, he's <laughs> been at it a couple of years, and there's some behind the scenes thing that people may not know uh, nearly as much about. But yeah, I mean, I hope it turns out like that. Like I hope Anthony Hill turns out to be a Micah Parsons type. But I'm also okay uh, finding different comparisons for the time being, and uh, maybe making those comps in year two or three. Nah, Anthony Hill is Micah Parsons. Uh, Colton Vosick is Nick Bosa. <laughs> yeah, Bosa, yep. Uh, Byron Murphy is Aaron Donald. I think that was a comp that was given last year. Uh, who else? Oh, Malik Muhammad is Deion Sanders. <laughs> L- low bars. Low bars for these guys. No pressure at all. Oh, man. What about the uh, the defensive line? We haven't talked about the, uh, that yet. You know, it's interesting. Like, it feels like... Ethan Burke has solidified himself as a starting edge for this team. Like, I think everybody knew going into camp that Baron Sorrell was going to be one of those guys, and it sort of felt like a competition to be the other edge rusher on this Texas defense. And, look, I know the Longhorns have recruited pretty well there. They've got a few dudes waiting in the wings that could be impact players for this team this year. But kind of sounds like Ethan Burke has separated himself and is clearly uh, a starting caliber player for this Longhorn defense. It's great to see that it's clicking for him. He's still more of a speed guy than a power guy, and maybe that'll always be the case, but he's added some positive uh, weight this offseason to help with the strength side of that position. But uh, I love hearing that uh, anybody is really uh, really stepping into the void and making it difficult for the coaches to go with somebody else uh, starting September 2nd. So if that's Ethan Burke, great. Uh, if it's Justice Finkley or somebody else who uh, who really steps up and, and grabs the coach's attention over the next couple weeks, that's good too. But right now, we just need to find uh, at least a short-term answer there. And it does seem like Ethan Burke will be the guy against Rice game one. Yeah, a guy who was ranked outside of the top 350 players in his recruiting class. But a lot of folks around Central Texas said there were reasons for optimism with Ethan Burke. And uh, I think there are, just based on some of the reports that we've been getting out of fall camp. That's great to hear. And then Trill Carter, man. Trill Mm. Carter, the transfer from Minnesota. I I haven't talked about him enough. I haven't asked enough people about this dude. But, uh, man, just another addition to the interior of this defensive line. I don't know what to expect from him in terms of playing time. I don't know if he's a starter. But it sounds like a dude who's going to make an impact uh, for this Texas defensive front. That would be a nice add. He may not be a starter. And if so, that's fine because he is an incredible depth piece. But he also could be a starter, if need be, based on the fact that he played defensive line in a conference that is full of really good offensive lines, BK. And the fact that he was as productive as he was on a couple of Minnesota teams that weren't all that great, I think bodes well for this Texas defensive line for uh, for the variety of instances with which they may need him. Maybe it's as a depth guy. 
uh, coming in and spelling uh, some of his teammates. But if forced into action, we know that he is capable of still making plays as a starter, too. And then, of course, we can't uh, talk about the defensive line and how things looked in the scrimmage on Saturday without talking a little bit more about, yes, Alfred Collins, a guy Mm -hmm. who uh, does play a little bit more inside, but on certain uh, obvious passing downs, they are popping him into that outside defensive end spot, and it looks like he's been pretty productive, including on Saturday, in both positions. Now, our UTSD keeps us from buying too much into guys that we've been hearing way too much about for the first three years of their career, but uh, I'm my pessimism is beginning to, it's neutral right now, and it's starting to shift towards optimism that Alfred, Alfred Collins may finally become that five-star recruit uh, that we were all so excited about coming out of the Bastrop area. Well, I told the Texas coaching staff last week that they needed to play the video of me talking trash about Alfred Collins on Texas Sports Unfiltered in front of Alfred Collins. Yeah. And hopefully that could be some sort of wake-up call to actually get him going because you're right, the potential is there, it's been there, and we've been waiting for this kid to take that step and become a playmaker on this defense for going on four years now as he finally reaches his senior year. And, hey, maybe it happened. Maybe they showed him that video. Maybe he was inspired to go out there and make some things happen. And by all accounts, he was one of the best players on the field on Saturday. So He is Brad Kellner, and this is a Trey and BK Monday on the Night Talker where you are getting a taste of what BK and I are doing every weekday from 12 to 1 live on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to access that live or the video after the fact. BK also does a live show weekdays with Bucky Godbolt from 8 to 10 in the morning. Coming up, one final segment. You know where we got to go. Where are we at in society? Yeah, I got into an altercation with a driverless taxi over the weekend. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a Trey and BK Monday on the Night Talker means it's time for... Where are we at in society today? That's right, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are figuring something out. Perhaps all is not lost. But sadly, very sadly, today is not that day. That is because, BK, I need to provide my first first-hand account of the inevitable war between humans and robots. It happened to me Friday night in downtown Austin. I've always told you and the people that I would be Team Robot when the war occurred, but I found myself in a situation where I got into a physical altercation with a driverless taxi downtown. (laughs) Wait a second. You got into a physical altercation with a driverless taxi, so there was no person involved here? It was literally you versus the machine? Me versus the machine, so... I uh, met up with a couple of friends for dinner, and then we were going to see the late show at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. Andrew Santino uh, headlined all weekend. Very funny show, by the way. Highly recommend you uh, get out to the Comedy Mothership in general just because it's uh, top-notch comedic talent uh, performing there every night of the week, especially the headliners that they have on the weekend. So we go to uh, the restaurant beforehand, Sweet Chive which is a pretty good spot on the east side, good Asian fare. And uh, we decided to take one car over 
to downtown because it's like 9, 9.30 at night to uh, limit how much we are having to deal with parking, either pay for it, or if we get lucky enough and we find a free street parking spot, then even better for us. We've uh, it's, we've pretty much hit gold at that point, especially when you uh, get downtown on a Friday night at that time. There, those spots almost never exist. But sure enough, we're driving around. We do a couple circles downtown before deciding to uh, to get to a paid spot, and we find a street parking spot that requires my friend to parallel park his uh, Ford F-150 pickup truck. And there's enough space for him to get this uh, this big truck into that spot. That's not a problem. The issue was is that he sees the spot and he pulls a little bit forward to uh, to then back into the spot. He puts his blinker on, throws his reverse lights on, and then I hear him saying, oh, no, it's one of those stupid automated taxis. I hope they get out of the way. Remember, he does have his reverse lights on, so this automated taxi should see what's going on. The automated taxi pulls within, I don't know, three to four feet of his car before he can start to back into the spot and starts honking. The automated ta- <laughs> taxi starts honking repeatedly. Honk, 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 honk. It's an annoying taxi sound. As annoying as I sound uh, uh, repeating it right now. And so he's like... He, he gets mad immediately. He still has his reverse lights on, but he like leans out of his window and is like, hey, I'm pulling in. I'm parallel parking in this spot. You need to go around me. Now we're saying this to a, a, a driverless vehicle right now that is yeah. being controlled by video and robots, but the car doesn't move. As a matter of fact, it starts inching a little bit closer when he does so. And he's like, I don't know what to do here. Like, I am not going to move. This is a really good spot. It's like a block and a half away from where we're where we're going on 6th Street. And so he's like, I'm not sure what to do here. I'm like, well, let me get out and see what I can do. Oh, no. So I get, I'm in shotgun. So I get out, walk around his truck. I look, I'm standing in front of this, this, uh, it's called Cruise. The Cruise Taxis. I don't know if you've seen them downtown. You're about to start going da- to downtown Austin much more frequently, BK. Dude, yeah. they are all over the place now. This wasn't just a one-off. I literally, in the time that this altercation happened, I probably saw like 10 of them driving past us. So they are all over downtown Austin, at least at night when uh, there are drunks all over the place. And hopefully they are uh, getting some sort of designated driver or automated vehicle to get them from point A to point B. So I get out of the car, though. And I'm standing between my friend's truck in this uh, this driverless vehicle and one, I'm worried. I'm like, I hope this thing doesn't just decide to ram into me because whatever, it starts malfunctioning or whatever else. It's going to break my legs. Yeah. So eventually I work my way to the driver's side of this driverless vehicle where you would normally, uh, the side you would normally go into if you were actually going to get behind the wheel of the car where there, there was a steering wheel in there, but there was no human as we talked about. <laughs> and so at first I, I'm like, gosh, should I... Should I hit this thing? Should I get my face in the camera to try and get it to back up? So I try and like wave my hands and say, hey, if you're on the other end right now and you can hear me, we're parallel parking into the spot. Please back this vehicle up. This vehicle is impeding our ability to do so. And so I like like I'm staring into the camera on my computer right now. I do that and nothing happens. Of course nothing happens. 
I don't know. I assume that there's humans who are monitoring these vehicles and seeing if there's an issue that maybe they can help uh, help take control of these vehicles and get it to do something different because what it, did, what it was doing at that point in time was losing it potential customers because it couldn't pick anybody up right there. And it was also completely screwing us over from getting into this parallel spot. So the uh, looking into the camera and yelling didn't do anything. So then I'm like, all right, well, I need to try and I need to see if I can open the door and maybe move this thing myself. And at this point, BK, I start to Uh get a little bit worried Yep. because I'm like, is this vehicle set up to like shock me if I were to try and open the door? I'm like, surely they're not going to do that. That's a huge liability. You can't just shock somebody because they're touching a door handle. I'm like, screw it. I got to try it. I got to try and get this car door open and get this car moved. This is too good of a spot for us to pass up. So I put my hand in the door handle reluctantly and try and open it. Doesn't shock me, thankfully, but it also doesn't open. So at this point, I'm like, all right, this vehicle's not going to hurt me. So I start banging on the door, banging on the window. I'm like, hey, I'm like, back up. We're trying to get into this parallel spot here. This ain't cool. Kick the tires a couple of times, pound on the hood a couple of times, and guess what happens? What? The automated vehicle moves closer to my buddy's pickup truck. Oh no! So the automated vehicle felt what was going on. By the way, I didn't. I mean, I'm sure you could you can guess this. I did not hurt this vehicle at all. If anything, it probably hurt my toes or my uh, my fist a little bit pounding on this car. And the vehicle's response was not to move on like it should do. If it was a good driverless vehicle, it became defiant and uh, dug in a little bit more in this game of parallel parking chicken. So eventually I stopped trying to hit the car because I realized that wasn't going to do any good. And I'm also on camera. So there might be a liability issue that comes into play if, if I uh, end up actually denting the car, which I didn't. Uh, So, but there was enough room still, uh, even though the, the vehicle had moved up a couple of inches that my buddy basically just maneuvered his way through like the tiniest amount of space to get onto the sidewalk initially. And then once he was, once he had cleared the driverless vehicle enough, it kind of just like swerved around him and it just kept going about its business. But uh, I'm not going to lie. I was pissed. And when he was like squeezing past this car, cause he was literally within a couple of inches of this car's front bumper, that yeah. annoying honking sound. It just, it went off like a car alarm was going off. I mean, for literally like three minutes and there were people walking by us on the sidewalk looking, my buddy and I were both screaming at this thing the entire time. I look like a psychopath. I understand that. I look yeah. like that girl at that Taylor Swift concert, whose video we played earlier in the show, but I didn't give a damn. I was pissed that this vehicle while not having a driver behind the wheel is apparently so incapable of reading a situation that it almost screwed us out of this really good parallel spot downtown. God, this is you yelling at a driverless car. That's you. Less foliage, but yeah, it kind of was me. And it, Dude, I'm, I'm guessing it, I'm guessing it wasn't a good look, but I was pissed. There's got to be a video of you doing this, right? I mean, I would have taken a video if I saw somebody talking and trying to fight a driverless vehicle. Like, that is going on Twitter in a heartbeat, man. I hope somebody got it. Somebody should have gotten it because it was uh, an embarrassing display by me, but... You thought that was going to work? No, I didn't think it was going to work, but I was also annoyed and uh, maybe I'd had a little bit of booze also. So my inhibitions were down. 
There's no humans in there. There's only one person. It's Allen Iverson controlling all of that stuff, by the way. We've talked about it with the AI. He was busy. He's not dealing with you. You're on your own there. Like, I'm sure I could have probably gone online and found some sort of helpline number for crews, but it shouldn't have to come down to that. They've got freaking video cameras that go every direction on top of this car, and they should be able to sense when a car in front of them has the reverse lights on and either stay far enough back that they're not completely screwing the car or go around, especially when there's not traffic coming right next to them, which the pretty much the entire time that this is going on, there were no cars next to us. So this car very easily could have just swerved around us, but no, it had to be a dick about things, forcing me what? to uh, throw the first blows in the uh, the inevitable war between man and machine. Yeah, you're screwed. You're going to be one of the first people the machines go after now. Like every good thing you've said about the machines in the past is trashed. It's over. I do still welcome our future robot overlords if and when it comes to that. No, they're just laughing at you now. They're like, oh, this guy (laughs) thinks he can uh, get us back. There's no chance. He's a Benedict Arnold. That was your warning right there. The next time that car is literally crushing you, it's not inching towards your body in between it and the truck it is foot on the gas pedal to the metal and you're done he is brad kellner and you have been listening to a trey and bk monday on the night talker one more reminder that bk and i have brought back the old midday show that's right midday with trey and bk now happening on YouTube through the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to find that. BK and I are live weekdays from 12 to 1. BK also does a show with Bucky Godbolt from 8 to 10 in the morning. You can watch those videos after the fact as well. And uh, the channel is growing quite quickly. We've got a couple of exciting programming announcements coming up, so stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for listening tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at 10. In the meantime, have yourself a great rest of the evening and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.